You, you got to make sure that you're doing everything you can to put yourself in a better position and surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, who know more than you, and especially the people that you know that are in the field that you want to be involved in. to the Make More Money podcast. I'm proud to bring you one of my favorite interviews with someone that we both kind of get along pretty well. It's uh, Coach Hugh Jackson, uh, investor in the tequila. Uh, it's organic, so don't panic brand. Uh, this is a really fun interview. Uh, I was glad to have him on. Some guy I used to watch and admire. Uh, and now heard that we basically both have a- admiration. We might do something great later. So this is the reason why, guys, get a podcast. If you don't have a podcast, get a podcast. Podblade.com. Uh, they do all the editing. They're actually, uh, uh, Ram Ravi's doing a roundtable of t- just teaching people how to get a podcast started. So a lot of information. Comment below if you want that. But sit back, relax, and listen to the coach of the NFL, Hugh Jackson, and everything he went through, through the successes and the triumphs. All right, it's Jeff Jay here to make your day. Welcome to the Make More Money podcast. This podcast has gotten so many wonderful people, but none other than I'm actually a huge fan of, of the next person. I used to watch him on TV all the time, root for all the teams he was in, but then just realized what a great guy he is. We're connected with a lot of the same great people. Um, he was a head coach in the NFL. Uh, and listen, to get the head coach, you got to work your way up. We're going to talk all about that today. Uh, but he's also a coach in life. He leads um, a foundation that uh, does a lot of great things. And uh, he's just someone that I look forward to doing a lot of different stuff. There's certain people you pick in your journey of who you're going to work with. And uh, me and him have a lot of admiration for each, admiration for each other. It is uh, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, Jeff, I'm doing great. And I think you said it. I'm so impressed with your journey and what you've been doing and how you've assisted people uh, how you've helped people vibrate at a higher level so that they can have a better chance in life. Man, there's nothing like uh, having a chance to collaborate with somebody like that. Yeah, no. And so really, um, this podcast really started, uh, this is my third podcast I've done. Uh, it's been a lot of being an entrepreneur and, you know, I've always been, a, we'll get into me playing football later because I've always been an athlete, right? And entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is like the greatest sport ever because you're always keeping score with uh, with the bank account and it's never as good. Just like, just like you walk away from like a, a practice that you know, always do better. That's kind of how it is every day here. But that's right. why I think a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, athletes or sports and this stuff, um, did it, uh, do well in business later on. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, let me, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about it. Everybody knows him probably as the head coach of the, you know, uh, I think it was the Oakland Raiders back then. Now it's the Vegas Raiders and the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about, I mean, you just didn't wake up one day and they picked you out of the day. So where do you grow up? Where'd you come from and how did you wind up becoming an NFL coach? Well, Jeff, I grew up in inner city LA, 52nd and Hoover. Um, so I was in the, um, in the tough areas of uh, Los Angeles. That's where I grew up at. I uh, went to 52nd Street Elementary School, Audubon Junior High School, then went to Dorsey High School. So that was my big start. Dorsey High School is a well-known high school for uh, high school football. Uh, we won the city championship and, um, my dream about football started there. I thought I was going to be an NFL player. You move on. I went to Glendale Junior College and was the quarterback there because I wasn't good enough to earn a scholarship in the beginning. And so then I left there, went to University of Pacific. 
and became the starting quarterback there. And um, after playing, I made a decision that I wanted to either get into coaching or become an FBI agent. And at the time, I had somebody who had mentored me and said, hey, we're going to help you move up the ranks in the FBI. And I had a guy who coached me who was my head coach, Bob Cope, says, hey, you know what? You like football. Why don't you stay in this and see if give this a shot? I think you'll be an excellent coach. And boy, this it just took off for me. John Gruden came to UOP. We became office mates. One thing led to another. Charles Davis, who's with the NFL Network, we all became really fast friends and left there. And and just my journey started from you know more college opportunities: Cal State Fullerton, uh, Cal Berkeley, Arizona State, USC, and then my NFL journey started. You know, and so that's oh. that. So let's really let's really dial back to because that then that was a great synopsis of it. But um, so obviously grew up in inner city. So you grew up not around like a, a lot of um, opportunity, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So because a lot of my listeners, I used to be a teacher of behavioral middle school kids. These kids had no opportunity. A lot of them listen today, and uh, to sort of see someone go from non opportunity to then being a guy who's on national. But let's talk. I, so I played quarterback, right? But mm-hmm. I played quarterback like I didn't play like. I wanted starting, but it was a struggle, man, right? <laughs> I want to talk about your quarterback journey because that's the leadership, I think, as a quarterback that you still have today, right? You need mm-hmm. a little bit of that. But let me hear about that. Like, when did you want to play quarterback? When did you know you wanted to play quarterback? I knew I wanted to play quarterback after I got out of Pop Warner football. I was always thrust into the lead. You know, it's always Hughes out front. I wanted to be out front, rather it was the wind sprints. I wanted to be out front, rather it was talking to the coach. I just became that guy. And it probably the light bulb probably really came on when I was in in high school because our going into my senior year, our head coach, he left and took a job at another rival high school. And so we were without a coach for about a month and a half or two. And I took that role. I just, hey, I made a decision when we were going to practice, when we we're going to meet, how we we're going to do things. The guys, you know, stayed with it. And, and that's where I think it became a passion for me of leading men, of, of having people follow me. But that is channeled from my mom. That's channeled from what I saw at home because my mom really paved the way and made me understand if you want to be successful, you do need to be better than everybody else. Well, so how old were you when that happened? Um, the I was probably, shoot, I was a senior in high school, 16 years old. So that's great. So anybody who's listening, that's a great thing for success, right? Like I always wanted to be quarterback. My brother had a better arm than me. We used to play backyard football. <laughs> Finally went to play. Well, I was homeschooled to you, actually. Wound up going and playing in college, out around. Dad lost a job. Wound up playing semi-pro football. Want to say similar thing to you, the wide receiver coach. Uh, he, I don't know if you saw the special on Amazon Prime that I was on, but basically the wide receiver coach was the guy who he taught me how to read the defense, right? Mm-hmm. Before, the guy when I grew up, well, I like him to play was Michael Vick. One read, take it down and run. And I, was, yes. I wasn't the biggest guy, so I was always the quickest. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so that's what I was. It wasn't until, uh, you know, what's his name? He's going to coach Jamie, uh, was the one who taught me. And then the offensive quarter hated me because I threw with the winding on. They actually wanted to start calling me Tebow back in the day, right? <laughs> so... So, but I didn't quit. And if you don't quit, and it was funny because I used to take the same kind of a leadership and same heart I led with was as the backup, fourth string, third string quarterback. Uh, and then just transferred, bounce around teams until I got my starting wig. And it was right when Tebow was getting big. And that's funny because, you know, you, were you in the league when Tebow was doing his old magic? I was, I was a head coach of the Raiders when Tebow came in. Right. Yes. Oh, so, you, so you guys had to play against them then, huh? Oh, 
Absolutely. I'll never forget there was a game they beat us in Oakland, and uh, we probably would have won the division if we would have won that game. Yeah, that's right. Because well, yeah, well, I, I, I remember, dude, because I literally, that's what made me not quit being a quarterback because I, they tried to push me to wide receiver. Did they, you know, when you played, did they ever try and push you to a different position? Oh, or? absolutely. Go be, yeah, a defense, right? go be a running back. No, I'm a quarterback. Yep, yep, yep. Dude, you got to fight for what you want in life. Like, you're, this is your life. You're going to be listening, all right? This is where I get all that. But, right, you got to do it. And, like, you must have some great days from uh, playing quarterback. You have some fun, right? Oh, absolutely. But you just said it. It teaches you so much about going and getting what you want. Yep. Because what those guys do, the great ones, they have a way of getting things how they need them in order to be successful. And that's what we're doing in our entrepreneur lives. I mean, we're helping people, but we're helping those people get things done in a way that they never knew. And so it, it, it's just been awesome. Yeah. So, so, okay. So you wind up playing quarterback uh, and uh, doing that for a little bit uh, in high school. Right. And then, um, mm -hmm. so then that same thing with me, dude, I was, I was, since I was the back of quarterback and then I finally got the starting role. They bring me back, but they bring me back to then be like, "Hey, do you want to be a coach every time?" I was like, yeah. "No, I'm not. Jeff, you'd be a great coach." So it's funny that now I coach people and I do all that too. I'm like, "Well, this is way better than sitting holding a clipboard." I remember holding yeah. a clipboard, you're writing on the plays, and I was like, "Oh man, it was so tough." But um, dude, I literally just recently, I'm 35. One of the teams hit me up to play, and I'm like, "Now nah, I got to stay focused, right? Focus is everything." I'm loving the whole business thing. I got to figure that out. Um, and go do that. But like, so let me ask you what, um, so what, when it happened and you decided that it was FBI agent or, or, or a coach, right? You mm -hmm. chose. So how, what, what, was that a tough decision to make or? It, it wasn't really because football is what I knew. Uh -huh. And I was going to be in the same environment with people I knew, people who supported me, people were going to help me become the best version of me. And I go, you know what? I don't know that other world. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. You know, I, I wanted to learn more. It was a passion, I thought. But football, I knew what I was really getting into. And I thought, I didn't know it was going to become a career. I thought there was going to be something I did for a couple of years, right. find my way and end up doing something else. I have never left it since. So, yeah, that, and it's crazy. It doesn't really leave you. It becomes a fraternity. You wind up knowing people, right? They'll still bring this guy on first take and ask him, you know, what he thinks about Colin Kaepernick and Walker, you get on the witness stand, right? Like, I've seen it all, man. I've always, every time I'm turning up, you're always there, which is great omnipresence. So what, um, let me ask you this. What's the, um, so you were actually, you land a job coaching. Do you coach first in college before you got to the uh, NFL with John Gruden and all that? I sure did. Yes. Yeah, so I coached in college and, as we, you know, as you have to go through a process in order to uh, become one of the best at what you do, normally you have to work your way through different processes. And so I knew if I was going to become a head coach, I need to coach a quarterback, just the position I played. Oh, but yeah. a lot of bumps in order to get there. Jeff, I don't know if you know this. This is the 100-year history this year of the National Football League. But there's oh, only yeah. 18 minority head coaches in the history of the league. And I've yeah, been wow. You know, and I've, I've done it twice. So I'm grateful and thankful for the opportunities. But at the same time, it's really disappointing that we're still, you know, in 2020, about to be 2021, still 
fighting the same issue. You know, it's, it's, Dude, it's just, can I tell you something? And I, listen, I, I'm going to talk about this for a second here because it's something I'm very passionate about. And actually, there's a video, it's on TikTok and me, me talking when the whole George Floyd thing happened, right? I got very passionate, was trying for a George Floyd law. Um, there was a few things before, but I grew up playing football. I was the only white kid. There were all black kids around, right? And I saw a lot of the, the different things that happened that just, you know, that just weren't treated right in some of my, my players, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the Lord, you know, I'm a Jesus guy, the Lord gave me that to see because I'm actually like evangelical about all this, right? So it's funny that me and my brother who have the financial wing we're working on Change Lives Financial about, um, you know, basically wants to do the basic finance. About 80% of our, our, our team is black right now, right? So we're actually being able to change the education. I want to change the education system and we're doing it right within their cities, you know, like, I, can't, I, I feel I can reach anybody. I have so much power. I, I argue with my dad all the time. But the one thing that made me so mad, and uh, I think, who was the first guy to break uh, the whole Rooney rule? Was it Mike Tomlin or? That was, no. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He paved the way. So before, mm-hmm. when you had the sights on being a head coach, there was no other black coach in the league then, then right? Well, when I had the sights of being a head coach, there was a few. There was, there was Art Shell. You know, there was Denny Green. There was Tony Dungy but not very many men of, of color. And yeah. so you watch what they did. And then you said, wow, if they can do it. And here I was with John Gruden, who was an office mate. He yeah. was going doing it. And I'm going, well, Hey, they can do, I can do it too. You know, so. John Gruden has that way about it. I love John Gruden, but he's just such a real guy that I can see like oh, a grocery store that like, it's like, man, he'd be a coach. I can do it. Right. And it's Absolutely. funny because in life, sometimes you need to see the vision before you do it. Right. Yeah. Like me, People ask me who are my favorite quarterbacks when I grew up, right? And I want to ask you this too. It was always, um, you know, it was Michael Vick because he ran, but people would be like, oh, you like Doug Flutie because he's small. Because I'm 5'10". I'm not that small. Doug right. Flutie's smaller than me, right? But Drew Bees, I love Russell Wilson today, right? I always watch Russell Wilson because he reminds me, in my mind, I play like Russell Wilson. I don't really play Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I just like one or two plays that like that. But um, who were some of the, the like, quarterbacks and uh, that you looked up to when you were playing? Well, the quarterbacks that I looked up to when I was playing, I, I think of Joe Montana. Yeah. Uh, he was a really fine player, obviously. Um, you would think of Randall Cunningham at the time because he, oh, was, yeah. he was way different than everybody else at that time. Dude, that was the first one before Vic. I liked him because uh, my last name is Cunningham, right? And right. my older brother, Jay, who's not here, got a Cunningham jersey when he was on the Eagles. And then there's a game he lost. And this this is never a sports talk thing, but I'm so passionate about. It. I don't even watch it as much anymore because I'm always doing business. But there was uh-huh. a game he lost against the um, the Falcons, and it oh, yeah. him through on the run, dude. Yes. So oh man, that broke my yeah. heart right there. Yes. I'm always like, yes, Warm, Randall Cunningham. I love Warren Moon. Warren Moon was because yeah. he went from the CFL to the NFL. You know, he yeah, came through who he was, and so that was really un- uh, just unbelievable to see. And then Dan Marino. You know, you think of Dan Marino and there was not a better pure passer that I had saw until I recruited and coached Carson Palmer. You know, so that's that's what made the difference. But watching Dan Marino, then you go coach, you recruit and coach Carson Palmer at USC. The guy becomes a Heisman Trophy winner, first pick of the draft. He's in Cincinnati. I get to Cincinnati and still have a chance to be involved in his career. I mean, it was just outstanding. Yeah, that's right. That did happen. So you coached at USC, correct? Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So that's great. And you coach quarterbacks there? Yeah, I, I recruited two Heisman Trophy winners for USC. Yeah, that's good. So which ones? Carson Palmer, who was the other guy? Matt. Who? Matt Leinart. 
Oh, dude. Oh, my God. Holy cow. So you got an eye for talent, man, huh? So that's that dude, that's that's gotta be that's like I'm I'm almost geeking out here as well. So um the crazy thing is so then you coach that. So then how did you go from because it's always so many guys can't do it, they can't go from college to the NFL. It's mm-hmm. always the thing, and you were able to do it. So you're in there, you're coaching Carson Palmer, and then what happened? You want to be a quarterback's coach in Cincinnati after that? Yeah, well, I end up I end up honestly leaving Cincinnati after Carson was there. We had a really good run on offense yeah. because I know I needed to become a coordinator. I needed to become a play calling coordinator in the National Football League. I went to Atlanta. Thought I was going to get a chance to coach Michael Vick, but then that situation happened with him and the dog fighting, and so he didn't play that year. So then all of a sudden, the head coach there, Bob Petrino, he quits. You know, late in the year, and he goes to Arkansas. So I'm sitting there looking for a job and it just goes to show you how God works in your life because I haven't had a chance in my national football league career to be known as the quarterback coach or the primary play caller. So my big break came when John Harbaugh hired me in Baltimore as the quarterback coach. I helped draft Joe Flacco. I helped, you know, his first two years there, which led me to have a chance to go to the Oakland Raiders as the quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, and the primary play caller. And we went from 31st in offense to six. And that's yeah. – Wow. Right. Well, yeah, so that, that's right, because I remember you having – that's crazy. So you definitely have an offensive mind. You're mm-hmm. in there. So this, this is a good lesson for everybody. If you have your sights on a goal, because your sights on the goal when you got there to be a, a head coach? Yes. Oh, absolutely. My, my, not when I got there. I just knew that I was in the process – Mm-hmm. I, I was doing everything that I needed to do. So some people couldn't tell me no. Right. You know, yep. Everything that you, you got to look and see where the league was going. And they were hiring guys who were offensive coordinator and quarterback coaches. Yep. And I, I need to do both of those. So they can't tell me no. So that's what I did. So that's, that's awesome. Cause so here's the thing, like even entrepreneurship as I'm doing everything I'm doing, right. I know I'm doing the right process to it. Same thing. When I played quarterback, I knew I was doing all the right plays. I knew I was learning the stuff that I thought I didn't need to know. Cause I get along, I tell alone. I wasn't that talented. Right. I was doing it also when my time was and the other guy got hurt. I knew they had to put me in. And yes. then I, that was my, my one shot. Right. So it's very similar to, for you going there. Um, so, so let me, let me ask you this then. So you wind up then, so you wind up going in there. Um, yeah, so you wind up working with a lot of guys. You made an impact on a lot of, a lot of guys like Jay Walker works with my brother's business. He's like, man, he's the real deal. Talked to a few other people. They're saying that and you always lead with such a humility and, um, and just leadership way. Where did that get instilled? Where did you realize? I mean, I know you said you were young, you kind of were doing it in your mom. Is that really where it came in? It, it starts at home. I, I think that's where it starts because you see how your mom and dad lead all the time. But I'll be the first to tell you, and I think you get this too, you get influenced by coaches. Yeah. You get influenced by people who are impacting your life and adding value to your life. And there's so many coaches from my Pop Warner coaches to my high school coaches to the coaches I work for in the National Football League that really shape my mentality, the Steve Mariucci's, the Marty Schottenheimer's, the John Robinson's, you know, the Bruce Snyder's, uh, the Marvin Lewis's, Harbaugh. I mean, it's just been so many men who have poured into me that I've learned not to try to be them. And, and I don't try to do the things they do. I try to be natural and authentic in what I know and organic and how I do things. But but there's things that I've taken from all of them and made them mine. Yeah. 
And that, that's, I think what you do in life too. It's funny, as you're saying that, um, everybody used to ask me, Jeff, I got a concussion once, right? Uh, they're like, I shouldn't have been slot receiver, man. I know this. I just went in there like, yeah, fine, I'll do it. And then they throw it to me and I, I'm out cold. And it's funny. So after that, nobody wants me to go back and play football, right? And, uh, you know, I'll say concussions. Uh, do, you, do you ever have a concussion or no? Oh, I'm sure I did, but 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 back then they were checking back we then, right? Know, we didn't know what a concussion was. Yeah, you got up, you got back in. I know. <laughs> don't, so don't I, the game and play. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But um, people be like, "Why do you play?" And it was really the coaching and the guidance I got in life. I actually, when I was in college, I only went to college to play football. I did football as a matter for life. And so many people who got Coach John Riles, now I feel like I got to shout them out because they know that you're on, they'll listen, right? They don't really listen to too much stuff, but the, I got Hugh Jackson on here. So um, now let's talk about kind of present day. So, and one thing I want to say though, is um, you went from somewhere, you listened to your mom, right? You went mm-hmm. and got around good coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So you decided that too as well. But what would you say to a kid right now who's listening to this, Former student, he lives in. Uh, I, I'm in Connecticut. Where Where are you located right now? I'm in Cincinnati right now. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. So, a kid listening in Hartford, Connecticut, really just not the most opportune place where he's listening. Um, what would you What would be one piece of advice you could give him to maybe go on and, and kind of get out of where he's at to chase his dreams? I think the first thing you have to do is invest in yourself. You You got to make sure that you're doing everything you can to put yourself in a better position and surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, who know more than you, and especially the people that you know that are in the field that you want to be involved in. Go pick their brain, you know, go sit at these people's knees and ask the right questions and see what they did to be successful. And it might not be what you do, but you might find one or two little nuggets in there that may help you along the way to become what you want to become. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, let me ask you this because I don't want to. Do you get mad if people just be like Coach Hugh Jackson, or that's okay with your identity, or are you trying to push past that identity? Right no, now? it's fine because I'm still a coach and I plan on coaching again. And I feel good about that. At the end of the day, that story is not written. But yeah. at the same time, I want to be like a normal everyday guy too, you know? Right. I, don't, I know. Yeah. I, I hear that too. Because I can tell people that. So let me ask you when you grew up, what was like a favorite team you had? Do you have like a favorite NFL or college team? The, the Raiders and Rams were my pro teams because they played in the Coliseum and that's where I used to work. You know, I'll tell you an interesting story. So when I was work, when I was in high school, I used to work for CSC security. They were the yellow uh, top and they guarded the fan. You know, you stand in the stadiums and you guard the fans or you guard the cheerleaders. And it was in the Los Angeles Coliseum, which was right down the street from my home. And so I'll never forget walking in that stadium and watching Al Davis and his entourage walk on the field. Al had on all white. The guys who were surrounding me had on all white or all black. And I said, you know what? I want to work for that guy someday. And I was his last head coach. Wow. Wow, And so my point is, you can be what you want to be if you have the right focus and the right purpose and surround yourself with the right people. I knew I was going to work for him. I knew I was going to work at USC. USC was right down the street from my house. I used to think I was OJ Simpson, Anthony Davis, Marcus Allen when I was younger. I mean, that's that's where I grew up. That's what I knew. And so I became one of the bosses at USC. So my life has happened the way I thought it would, but it wasn't by accident. It was by hard work. So let me, and I want to get into what you're doing today, just because you're so, I personally believe you'll probably be back uh, coaching again too, because you have in your heart, you just, 
leading by such example. <laughs> just look at that. There's a lot of guys messing it up right now. Um, but uh, and I don't know if we're ever last. Is there a team or somebody else right now that you would like be like, oh, I wouldn't mind coaching them? Or you're not supposed to do that because that's kind of like crying on jobs, right? Yeah, can't do that right this second. But no, there's a lot of places. I just want to be in a place where um, you know everybody's have the right alignment, the right collaboration, the right vision, and that we're trying to win championships. I mean, at the end of the day, I've done everything else in the National Football League. I've been coach of the year. I've been a head coach. I've done all that. I want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, I'm close. I know what it's like to be in the AFC Championship game. That's I've right. Never, I've never coached in the Super Bowl, and that's what I want to do. Yeah, there is something about that, the big game and doing everything like that. Like, you know, yeah. it's funny because I played um, – I played uh, – as my lights are going, I, I played uh, football – and we never got into the, the championship game, right? I started, I won some games, won the fourth quarter, the raw, all that stuff. But like when they texted me, I was like, man, how far could I go? I got a little bit more knowledge now. Could I still do it, right? Um, right. And it's funny because, uh, yeah, I can, I can see uh, exactly that. Is there any teams you root for right now? Do you watch every Sunday or no? Oh, yeah, I watch. I'm always watching. I'm always on some podcasts and doing some, or even yeah. sometimes watching some games. So it's, it's been a lot of fun that way. But at the same time, I'd probably pull more for the teams I've been with because there's players that I'm connected to, yeah, yeah. you know, the cities that I'm connected to. I'm going to always have a love for the Raiders. Uh, that Al Davis gave me my first opportunity. And I thought he was an unbelievable man. And I'm always going to pull for the Bengals. And I'm always going to pull for the Browns. You know, it's just teams that have always been near and dear to my heart. But at the same time, Boy, I want to get back out there on that grass so bad. <laughs> not- yeah, dude, trust me, man. It's it's tough, man. That's why, like, I watched a game just recently with my dad because uh, I forget which game we were watching. It was a good game. It was one of those, you know, they, it feels like some of them us to get in games. And it makes me miss because now I know how to read defense. I know how to sit there. I know exactly what the read is. Tony yes. Romo, doesn't Tony Romo do a great job calling it? He, because he understands it. He yes. Knows- Dude, finally, yes. it's funny because before Tony Romo came, I was able to tell, not every time, not as good as Tony Romo, but where the lead was, what to look for. And then yes. he started doing it. I was like, darn it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, Tony Romo, was, I think it was the Saints versus uh, whatever it was, the, just recently, and they're good. But, um, but yeah, let me ask you this. So now keeping you busy, and man, I can't, uh, I can't even, I, I, part of me just gets a little bit like, man, I'm talking to Hugh Jackson, right? Like, you are a regular guy, but you've definitely done a lot. It's funny when you see people on TV, probably you and Grant Cardone are probably my two, uh, two biggest like people that I'll get kind of geeked around. But, um, what's, uh, what's the, um, yeah. How'd that happen? I wound up going on Cardone you and I wound up seeing you have, how'd that happen? How'd you get a piece on Cardone you? It's really interesting. So once I was let go at Cleveland, you know, and you get through that process, yeah. I started to figure out what did I want to do next? And I always thought back to the times I'd be, writing the games and looking on Instagram and a guy that kept always just catching my attention was Grant. Everywhere I turned, he was talking about how to make money through real estate and how, what he was doing and where he was going. And here was this guy that was compact, that had a plan that had a vision and he was spitting it out there and he did it with bravado and assuredness. And I'm like, I want to meet this guy, you know? And then I started following him a little bit and I start understanding that he was teaching people about money, the eight streams of income, you know? And I was like, man, I don't know these things. I've been locked in as a football coach, knew none of this stuff. But I go, you know what? I'm going to call this guy. I'm going to get on a flight and I'm going to go meet him. And when I met him, it was just, he was phenomenal. And it has been phenomenal ever since. 
So then they pulled you in there and said, hey, Hugh, why don't you do something behind the desk kind of? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I was on his on his podcast, invested with his team. I'm invested in his company. I really enjoy what they do. And it's been outstanding. Which one, Cardone Capital? Are you invested in? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, trust me. I'm working my way up to that point. Um, but yeah, they're great. My mortgage guy's with him. He's actually on the same podcast. By the way, Rob Weinberg, I don't know where this is going to air with him. He did a great breakdown of all the finances. This guy like knows he has like Dave Ramsey finance and everything. And it's funny, you know, I taught at middle school and right after my brother passed away and everything during the journey, I was still teaching. I switched all electives to money management. I was teaching a lot of the kids that were from the inner cities, all millionaire math. And have, it was from Grant Cardone, have them write down millionaire math every day. And I had them start dreaming. And they were telling me that they couldn't do it. So the video you see on Instagram with me talking to Floyd Mayweather was mm-hmm. really just saying, hey, Floyd, I can't reach all the people. Grant said I'm not going to change the education system because he didn't. And the entrepreneurs and coaches and professors like us, we want to do it. I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can so uh, to do it. And Grant's doing a big I, part of that. Man, you know? I want to commend you, Jeff, for what you're doing for this reason. Here I am. I'm 55 years old. And I just learned a lot of this stuff at 50. I, I started learning this at 50. I mean, think about that. I mean, there's so many people who don't understand and they're afraid to say that they don't understand. Everybody oh, understands. Yeah. They understand earned income, you know, because everybody's working for it, but they don't know what to do with it once they have it. Oh, that's so true. And that's exactly. So this is why it's called the Make More Money Podcast, really, because I want to bring people there to it. I wanted to bring people on and get people thinking, hey, it's, you know, I, I grew up, you're a Jesus guy too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I am too. And, you know, it's funny. They always would, people in my my little church and would get it wrong. They say the love of money is the, it's the, the love of money, the root of all evil. It's really the lack of money is the root of all evil. You know, you really think about it all the way. So people are robbing and stealing and everything. So it's cool to actually, yeah, get and reach people a lot younger. We just interviewed a kid who was 22. And he had a lot. It's really the hope that it is. So, um, yeah, that that's amazing. So now what are you doing now? You started a foundation just recently or when did that start? Mm -hmm. No, the foundation started when I was in Cleveland as Cleveland coach. Uh, It deals with human trafficking. It's called the Hugh Jackson Foundation. Oh, that's right. I knew that. Yeah. Jackson.org. We have a, a housing facility that we partner with with the Salvation Army to house human trafficking victims. Uh, we try to do a great job of, of giving people information about human trafficking so that people can see the signs and maybe we can impact uh, people as much as we can to uh, stop this terrible, terrible situation. Yeah, so it's so bad. When I was teaching at middle school, one of the uh, high school students came in. It was a girl. She was human trafficked right here. It happens everywhere. Nobody even realizes. Nobody talks about it. They'll talk about everything else on the news, which I don't even watch the news anymore. But, talk, but they won't talk about this thing that's really just a huge, huge thing. It's really just, um, it's it's really evil. That's what it is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I speak up against it a lot. Um, there's Timothy Ballard. is one of the guys who was big on it. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, trust me, that's awesome. Where can people find out more about your foundation? At HughJackson.org. HughJackson.org, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That shows that you you actually, because um, it's something too, there's always different things. And once, you know, we kind of have a spotlight on us and I'm starting to get that right now. And it's just, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll admit you, right now it's a little like disturbing. Like now there's eyes on me. Now I really got to make sure I know what I'm doing, right? Um, but, and I'm figuring it out. I'm as authentic as it can be, but um but yeah, it's always giving back and always helping people go there. But um, what um, what's the one thing you do now? What do you do day to day now? Like, for well, 
what I'm involved with right now is I'm involved in a ton of things. One, we mentioned the foundation. Then we have another system called Strangers to Changers, where we're trying to impact communities to where people would start having real conversations. So they're not strangers with each other, that they become changers, changers in their communities, trying to do something positive that way. So we've started that piece of it. I'm also partnered into a tequila brand, Grand Leenda, uh, part owner of that uh, with, with my buddy, uh, uh, Daryl Span. Uh, we have all four marks, you know, we have uh, Blanco, Silver, Resposado, and Aneo, and we're the official tequila of the Black Hole with the Las Vegas Raiders. So oh, that's that, awesome. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Has he got uh, the did, how did you get that deal? Were you able to connect it in there with all your connections? Oh, hey, yeah. It just, you know, being the former head coach and the yeah. Black my love of the Raiders, my love of Al Davis, it just worked out. It was perfect, you know. Well, it's and, funny. I don't, I don't drink alcohol at Chase Girls right now, but every once in a while I celebrate, I'll look for that. It's funny because it's, Connor it's McGrady, organic, Jeff. So it's organic. Oh, it's there more, you go, man. So USDA organic certified tequila. We add nothing to our tequila. Really? Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> don't panic. It's organic, right? That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, 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 yeah. I'll definitely check that out. So that's crazy. So you're actually in a lot, of, a lot of different ventures now. What's um? Let me ask you this then. What's one thing that? What's one of your best memories though? Like your best memory through like you did. You've done a lot already, man. Like I know you say you don't even look like you're 55. You look young. You're you're learning now. You're really just crushing it on the um, you know, and just learning the best better ways. You have a little skill company. You have Cardinal Capital, right? You're really getting mm-hmm. smart with a lot of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. well, what's um. What's one of the best memories you have going back, whether it's back in the day or football or NFL or? I think the biggest, the best memory I have and will always have is that I know that you can be as successful as you want to be, if you want to be. That when the chips are down, you can get up and keep going. You know, that a lot of people, this mental health thing that's really out there for most people that they can't overcome because that person that's talking to them in their head won't let them out and they're trapped by their own selves and that because I almost fell into that you get fired from a job that you didn't see coming I went down to my bedroom and spent three days in the basement talked to nobody and was kind of lost and then you got to find your way back and if you don't have the right foundation or if you don't have the right team of people that can help get you back to where you need to be that's why we have the issues we have in this world today, in my opinion. So many people have fallen short of what they thought they could be, and then they don't get up. Well, you got to get up. You got to keep going. So that, no, that is so true, and it's funny. I forget that that's how it kind of ended there. Anybody in life has been through something, right? Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, and it, it always people don't think there's just a few things. People are insecure about the money they make because of the potential that they really inherently know they can kind of try for more. And the other thing is side railed by certain things like, you know, maybe getting let go for a job or fired or something like that. Um, I do. I remember I, I believe I tell everybody this and I don't know if this is really exactly the exact same. Eighty nine percent of your thoughts are negative. Right. You got to be careful on what you put in your mind. When I was going to play football and they told me you'll never become quarterback. Right. I was listening to Les Brown. I even know it was Les Brown of the day and Eric Thomas saying it's yeah. possible. And I drive up there. I'd be watching like. Uh, had it because it was a opposite reserve uh, reverse turn to hand off the football. And <laughs> I, I told my dad, it's like, oh, it's the Kansas City Chiefs I was watching. 
I, they had me run the option because I was a small guy, but I was never an option quarterback. I was homeschooled, right? I used to pitch the option, like just circle it. It got there. It right. I had to learn it, right? Freaking Patrick Mahomes the other day throwing exactly like how I threw it because he's Patrick Mahomes, he can throw however he wants. You know? He's phenomenal. <laughs> Dude, he is phenomenal, man. I, I, I root against him because I was root against the I was root for the underdog, but they're they're really good, man. And yeah, imagine uh Oof, that's got to be tough for uh, I try I, to be the example for people that, and you just said it a second ago, a lot of people will tell you that you can't do this. Yeah. You can't tell yourself that you can't do this. You know, yeah. I mean, when you're one of 18, that tells you that you could, you know, because there's a whole bunch of people that wanted what you're doing and they never did. And they, you don't know why they didn't. They could have been, they could have got right there and then get given up. You know, you just never know. But the people who do become it, it's because they keep pushing through. They stay true to their strategy, their process, and they work it, and they make it happen. And that's what you have to do. Yeah, no, that's that's so true. We, I should get you on with uh, Brad Lee's dropping bombs. You're dropping so many right here. He has a whole podcast. And I don't, <laughs> I don't have I don't have the studio he has yet. It's funny. So I, I Lewis Hauser, one of the guys who was coaching me, goes, "Well, Jeff, what would you do? You get the seventy-seven million, which was the goal when I set up." You open the coffee shop. What would you do? Kept asking why. And I said, you know, I'd start a morning show at the coffee shop in the background because I used to listen to 660 The Fan with Craig Carton and Boomer Esiason uh-huh. all the time. Loved it. Actually, after my brother passed away, I called out of work. I can say this now because I'm out at a teaching. Went, got Craig Carton to sign the things. He was my hero. I did the same thing I coach people to do. Um, I, I Someone coached me. Write down one person you don't want to be like from one person you do and write three things. I wrote the manager at the restaurant I was working at that I didn't want to be like, and I wrote Craig Carton. The next day, Craig Carton, this guy gets arrested for everything, right? For like mm-hmm. a Ponzi scam. And it shows in life that someone else's shoes, when you're looking at something, you think everything's greater, you know, the guy's worth 2 million and everything, that maybe, you know, just really focus on where you're at. And, you know, it's always good to have different visions, but really just, really just be, it made me become self-aware. I'm like, man, what do I really want in life, you know? Right. And right. Uh, so now I have a morning show with my brother, uh, which we'll probably have you on that maybe later on too. Once we start getting it up, we got a couple sponsors. It's called the Wealthy Wake Up, and my my dream for you is to get right. money finances and then have a hot seat. And anybody who gets five questions, give them like right now. I'm not as liquid, but give them a hundred bucks and bless uh-huh. people going forward. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know who Mr. Beast is or no? I know. Yeah, I know of him. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have him on my YouTube channel. I love his philosophy. How he just gives out. So any sponsorship money, I'm gonna start giving back out and bless people because that's. That's kind of what it is. You got to take care of yourself first, but then you can go back and build a foundation. So um, <clears throat> I was going to say, so what was the, um, what was the one thing? Uh, I don't want to ask too many football questions, but you're here and you're the football guy. So um, what, what was the, when you were coaching uh, mm-hmm. in o- uh, Oakland is the one um, it was Oakland at the time, right? Uh-huh. You were there. Um, what was, uh, who's the, who's the quarterback then? Cause I forget that, uh, that was, what was it? Jason Campbell and Carson Palmer. Yeah, it was because then he came over after, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then that was, dude. That that was. Uh, I used to watch. I remember there was a game actually when you had. Um, well, I don't want to get into it too much. We'll, we'll talk later. We'll get into it there. But what's <laughs> yeah. what's one best advice you would give um, to someone who basically um, the best money tip? Because like you came from very similar to me. You know, I grew up in school learned very little about money until I wanted to build a business and realized, Oh, this takes money. And at first I thought I had to raise capital and get an investor. And I thought, Oh no, all these guys bootstrapped and made money themselves. Let me go learn and how to do it. 
So Grant was a huge mentor for me, but what's the best money advice you've learned in these five years since everything? Learning the eight streams of income yeah. was so important for me because all I knew was earned income. Everybody knew a little bit about interest income, but nobody knew about capital gains. Nobody knew about royalty income. Nobody knew about uh, you know real estate income. And, and it all sounds good, but go really understand, go teach yourself the best you can or find someone who's willing to teach you the money game because people don't understand where they can get their tax breaks from or where they can be a little bit better in this area because they just don't know. And to me, people need to be very honest and say, I don't know. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't act like you do know. Say, I don't know and be willing to learn and spend that time because it will make you and your family better. So me, I've been helping my brother. We do these powerful uh, basics of finances presentations, right? And you're mm-hmm. right. So many people get so afraid. Like it's stuff that like, there's a rule of 72 that if you don't take out money, I'll say it right now, if you don't take out money, you have in your 401k, I think it is. Those are taxes 50%. And nobody knows this stuff, right? right? There's a lot of stuff that people don't know. And people are afraid to admit they don't know. It's okay to admit you don't know. Just learn it and then apply it. And actually, I've been partnering up with Andy on Bake just recently. We've been doing some webinars, and he talked about the five money currencies besides money. It's money, energy, connections, barter, and uh, what was the other one? I always forget. I always get the four. Relationship, not relationship, because relationships, connections. Um, oh, energy, money. But there's different ways you can actually use five things and monetize it by connecting with people. Uh, right. and it's just So I'm always learning all the day. Like, I'll never figure it out. Like, what do you say about someone? Like You're always learning as well too, right? Yeah, and I think that's what you have to do. Never stop learning. There's yeah. always something new that you can learn. As I said, I mean, I'm not ashamed to say it. At 50 years old, all I knew was earned income. I'm, I remember a lady in the bank at Chase Bank saying, Mr. Jackson, come in my office. And I go, what, what's the deal? I don't need to talk to, to anybody that's a private uh, Chase client right. or anything like that. And she goes, you have money in your checking account. Why don't you just put it to a money market account? I go, no. And I didn't understand because I thought, man, I can't touch it. That means you're going to be in control of my money. I didn't even right. know what money market was at that time. Yeah. So, so someone tried to do the same thing to me and I, yeah. I did the same exact thing. Yeah. Like, no, I want to have access to my money. Yeah. They're trying to there get me on it, right? Yes. And the they said, thing. Well, it was my you thing. Yeah. You have access. We'll teach you. And, and then you start to learn. And then I realized, I don't know as much as I thought I did, but I knew what earned income was. And I knew that if I was going to take it out, it was going to be me. And boy, I was, wasn't making any interest on it. But at the end of the day, I knew where it was and I knew I could get it when I wanted it. So were you able to negotiate some pretty good contracts to be a head coach? Do you make pretty good money or was it like I, average? I did well. <laughs> yeah, did. I, I didn't look it up. It not everything, it's just the way to score. I, I think you did. So that way you're being able to invest and now make the money work for you. Now you're doing all the right things. The, the biggest thing that, and you said it, that people have to understand, it's not the money you make. It's the money you make that you make, make money for you. Yep. That's what people don't understand. That's the thing that Grant taught me about your money making babies, you know, that if it's, if it's just going to sit in the bank, yeah, no, you're going to end up spending it. But if your money's working for you and if it's still growing and your initial investment's still growing because you've done the right things, then it all works. And that's what people have to truly understand. Yeah, no, trust me. I always say to everybody, I, Grant was my entrepreneur, Jesus. I prayed, searched Grant for an impression, found that video. And that's why you have Jeff the Entrepreneur or Jeff J. Cunningham really living on his vision because 
the Lord really brought that to me. But um, what's, uh, I, I got to ask you this, hardest time, pain to say, had to be those three days when you were fired and you were oh. in there, right? Yes, um, sir. Through pain, a lot of times with coaching, what I do, I always get people to that moment too. Everybody's been fired from their job. There's people who've been fired. And there, there's this story Les Brown tells. One guy got fired um, and he stays home, winds up killing himself, doesn't do anything. The other guy goes out there, gets him out there and keeps going for a job, even though he gets to keep getting uh, rejected. What's one thing um, out of that, the being fired lesson, you know, um, that you really could draw from it or that you learned that was just, or one thing that helped you get out of that funk? Never make the job bigger than you. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a, everybody knew, you know what I mean? I mean, it was one of those moments. And so you keep, you start, stop, started to forget that you're still a person, yeah. you know, that you're, you're just still an everyday guy like everybody else. The coach, the head coach got let go, but the man, Hugh Jackson, was still who he was. And so... And I've learned that in life, things are going to happen, as you mentioned earlier. So you might as well start on your knees. You know, it's going to bring you to your knees at some point in time anyway. So you might as well start down there and start praying a long time before it ever happens so that you're able to get through it a lot easier because there's somebody greater than all of this that's in control of it all anyway. Yeah, no, that's that's so true. That's awesome. Uh, it's crazy, actually. You know, the best thing probably happened is if you were still there, we probably wouldn't be able to talk today. So yeah. something good happened on my side, right? We connected so many to me, Grant. You're doing all you're setting up everything then. And then any people back there not even worry about it. I mean, man, I got money in the bank. We'll go for it on fourth down here and do like some little <laughs> bell check calls, right? <laughs> yeah, who cares? But, um, but, uh, so when you were young, when you were really young and you're sitting there in the inner cities, all that, did you know you'd be here today? Very successful man, NFL head coach, you can hold to your thing for your team, the investor in companies. Did you know you'd be here? Jeff, what I knew is that I wasn't going to live the way my mother and father did. That's what I knew. My mother instilled in me, make it better for yourself and your family than it was for you when you were little. So that's that's stuck with me all my life. I mean, I shared room with brothers and sisters, you know, that's just the way it was. So my kids have never done that. My kids have always had their own bedroom. You know, so you find a way to make it better. And that's what it's been for me. I didn't know that I would understand to the magnitude or accomplish the things that I truly have to this day, but I knew I was going to be successful. I knew that. I knew I was going to be somebody that the world would know because I was going to work for it. Well, dude, the world definitely knows you probably get the most listens here. One of them here uh, with everything. So I'm huge honor for that, but just because it's really just, more of just a fan talking to people. This is invite only. People are always trying to get on. Now that I'm getting big, people want to like siphon off attention off me right now, right? And it's like, I, I got to be careful on who I want to bring up the journey with me. So um, <laughs> best relationship advice. So a lot of times here right now, man, I cut out all girls. I always like those high maintenance girls and stuff, right? Um, but I have a business partner, Ahmad, with the software that is holding equity in it. And that that's one of the best business relationships. What's a relationship, whether business or or girl-wise, you could give uh, the listeners? I think the best relationship advice I can give anybody is trust. There, there has to be a trust, a transparency that goes both ways. It can't just go one way. It goes both ways. And uh, my, the people who are really your friends are the people who will hold you accountable to the things that are who you say you want to be, what you want to do, and how you want to do it. 
it's really interesting in this life, we as adults, who do we really answer to? If you don't answer to your God or your wife or your girlfriend or whatever that significant other is, then who do you answer to? Because most of us, you know, we kind of carve out our own thing. We do our own thing and we look and make decisions right or wrong. You have to have the right support group of people that will hold you accountable to things because it will make your life better and your relationships will grow from, from those type of relationships. That's true, man. That's even true. Thinking today, as you said, with my tax relationship, the kid texted me today, hey, man, you got to get this 2019 thing. We can save you money on your taxes. I've done so much. And uh, that's definitely true. Um, so what's um, I did want to ask you this, because with everything going on, it's just made to light. I think with social media and everything here, I think it's just made people more that's going on, which I think is really good, believe it or not. Right. Um, for with everything going on, um, you know, with you know, just really just all the there's there's a lot of negativity stuff going on. I mean, I see all the positive, I surround myself with positive stuff, but I want to be a positive force. What's the thing I could do better, right? Um, to really end, like I, I was really passionate about um just all the mistreatment of I don't even want to like I don't know how to say it, but yeah, just basically, you know, the, the whole George Floyd thing really put it up there. But a lot mm-hmm. of it's just really the, the discontent people. What would be some word you say about all that stuff? Well, I, I think obviously there there's 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 a huge issue in our country today. I think uh, the issue people say is racism. Okay, I think what happens is people don't have the real conversations. They have very shallow conversations. Nobody wants to be have the deep digging conversations because it's hard, it's really hard. And I I would say to my Caucasian brothers, they have to understand minorities are at a different starting point than what you are. And that's the biggest thing. So just, if you just understand that, that they're not at the starting point that you are, and if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to try to understand, but feel free to ask the questions about what you want to know that would help you best understand and to have that conversation too, then I think more things would open up. You have more communication. People would understand each other better. And I understand different cultures. People see this culture as gold change, you know, loud music, pants down, all that, you know, and, and the other culture is everybody's dressed nice. All you can work through those things. You know, people are not, shouldn't be judged by the way they dress or look or any of that. Who is that particular person? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a quick story about that. When I played quarterback in Hartford, and I was the starting, I was just starting to get the starting quarterback. There's a kid, uh, Trey Kwan was name. He was the the coach. That's kind of I was, and I would throw the ball. He's really talented, and you knock it down. And the guys turned to me. Now I was tight with all the linemen. They go, "Oh, he doesn't like you because you're white." And I never had this before, right? And he goes, "He hasn't had any guys who are white ever nice to him." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "What?" So long story short, dude. Uh, I wind up, I wind up like really like I, I have the thing where I want everybody to like me. So I'm trying to throw a ball. I'm trying to, he wanted to be quarterback. Right. Right. And he was the thing. He was the wide receiver. He was really talented. So I put him in there. Long story short with the whole thing, we wind up working together. I wind up uh, throwing to him more. I start asking him. He was like, really like so off put to him. I wind up driving him home. Nobody's driving him home for that day. I want to drive him home. I want to sitting at, at his um, apartment. And staying in and playing Madden with him, we wanted to connect him. We wanted to talking about stuff. And I asked him what I could do better as a quarterback. And he wants. And I, I told him how people made fun of me. And we actually connected. We had a real conversation. Fast forward, my first start, he was one of the guys. I actually got benched. I didn't do good. I threw a couple picks. So it was my first start. Me and him, I drove home, 
and he bought me a Gatorade. And it was just so cool because we went from like totally like he didn't like me, so I didn't like him, man. You know, that was the thing, right? And I threw to everybody else there to then him buying a Gatorade. I still remember him handing the Gatorade and said, hey, man, you changed everything I thought about someone, this, that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so I had a little different thing where there was a lot of <laughs> black, white people. So it wasn't until 11 or 12, I thought, man, people really judge people because they color their skin. Like, I never even got that. Like, I, I right. still don't really get it, to be honest right. with you. But my whole point is, so I actually told them that, and it's funny. So then, so that, uh, man, it was just, it was one of those things that anything can, like, you can change over stuff. And a lot of it, too, was, you know, uh, I was always trying to, um, you know, I was around it all, so I saw it all. So it gave me a big appreciation for everything you said, you know? Um, and it, that's, it, it, that's I try to get people to understand that um, I was just on a big podcast with uh, some highly um, known people that are doctors at Ohio State uh, just last week. Uh, and it was about um, diversity and inclusion. And I keep trying to get people to understand we have to quit doing what is normal and do what is right. Just because something feels normal doesn't make it right. It's time to do what is right. And let's way to make normal right. And if we do that, we'll we'll end up in a better place. But there's been so many things in our society and and the way people have seen things that just been normal because that's what everybody's done. And so we think it's okay, you know, let's just leave it that way. And that, no, that if we're really gonna make change, you got to really make change. You can't just talk about it. You know, yep. we talk when then it goes away and things have stayed the same for so long. So how do you start to work through that? You start working through that, that things that have seemed so normal, but are they right? Yep. And if they're not right, let's find a way to make them right. And then everything else will take care of itself. Yeah, no, that's, that's a hundred percent true. I'm very passionate about that. You know, someone says entrepreneurs can change the world or I believe they can. They're the crazy ones. And I, I know I'm going to make a dent in it. You can call whatever you want, activist stuff. But there's certain ways I'm able to get, the Lord gave me the gift. I'm able to connect with these people on all, all, all sides. So because of that, I'm going to use that gift to the fullest ability wherever I can. There's actually Stefan Larry on this podcast you have to listen to. And there's another guy, Keenan Williams, great guys in that whole uh, journey of, of really just making, they do a lot of stuff with bigger communities together and stuff too uh, for it. Um, so what's something you're looking forward to next then, Mr. Hugh Jackson? I am looking forward to coaching football, winning a Super Bowl. If I can do that, I will say to myself, job well done. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm always good. So here's the thing. Certain people I like, I would say, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to see our connection. I really, I, I'm on the lowest scores of the football, man. But if there's <laughs> any way, maybe, I don't know, I, I, I hang with some really like, really like multimillionaire high roller guys somehow. Some way, somehow I get in conversations. So if I get to like talking to one of the owners, man, maybe I'll just be like, hey, go listen to this podcast and stuff, you know? So. <laughs> Uh, I'll do whatever I can to make it happen. You got me, know, uh, you've been awesome. Yeah, no, no, we'll do. Part of me, dude, doesn't want you to because I, I know we'll be connecting more. We can do more stuff together. So either way, it's a win-win. Uh, and then I'll know it's bad because I'll be watching more football. And I, I don't watch football because the return on investment right now, like I saw Ed Milet watching football the other day. Yes. And like, he's done it. He's there. He can sit there with his tequila. And have, I saw it on his story. Right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not there yet. I'll watch a game with my dad. But it's not the days where I'm going to sit down. And dude, literally, I'm sure this is with, with you. When I'm watching, it makes me want to go play. It makes me want to get out in the grass. Doesn't oh, it? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. You know, especially when, <laughs> especially when they do something stupid, you're like, I could have done that, right? <laughs> Yeah, right? I could fix that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, could, I could call that bad, but you know, I can do that. All right. Um, 
So what's one, and I, this has been a great, this is one of my favorites. Uh, what's, what's the change in the education system that you think we can make? I, I think that the changes in education system, I think one of the things that really concerns me is that people have to pay for education. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not make people pay for something that could really make our economy better if we grow them right. Let's and give them the Personally, they're not learning anything that's helping them out better. With YouTube, you just like it's, that's the that's the best business model for them and the worst for you yes. right now. You know, so they go yeah. into they go into debt trying to get through school. That makes they, if I have my way and I become president, I'll have more Cardone University or what he teaches yes. as a school, and that'll be it. And those will be the type of universities. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Absolutely. I just think people, you just said it. I mean, that's what it should be in my mind because. There's so many things you learn in school that you never use. Have you have you been to like a 10x conference or anything? Was oh yeah, conference? I was at one last year in Vegas. Oh, were you? Oh, dude, I missed. Yeah, I, I'm seeing yeah. you know white sand, but I, I, was up, I was up there in the VIP. Uh, <laughs> did, were you really? Oh, dude, dude yeah. I got. Oh, you were in one of the suites then. That's where you were, right? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Then you get you get away from that too. Um, are you going this year or no? I well, I probably will. I mean, I know they they've been advertising. I'll get a hold of Ryan and. He'll find a way to get me in. <laughs> yeah, good. No, that's awesome. Yeah, you do. I'll, I'll be there. So that's the only reason I asked is that, I, you know, I just, I want to be around good people uh, more. I mean, this dude, I feel like I know somebody from this. All right. Hey, so this has been great. I got to get on another call. But uh, where can people find more of you, Mr. Hugh Jackson? <laughs> yeah, on Instagram at Hugh Jackson 5. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Hugh Jackson at Hugh Jack 10. And, um, and my foundation, HughJackson.org. That's the best way to find me. Awesome. So what, what's what, what's your favorite number? Is it five or 10? Or where'd that come from? My, my favorite number is 10. 10? Okay, actually. Got, so Hugh Jackson 5 on Instagram, Hugh Jackson 10. Hey, I look forward to doing a lot more too. I look forward to seeing you uh, in the NFL coaching as well. Then I'll definitely watch some games. I'm always a fan of you, sir. Uh, thank you for everything you brought me. Thank you for all the value and everything you dropped today. Um, and uh, that it's uh, sometimes some of the podcast guests, it's, I'm just sad they have to go. So, but we'll stay in touch too. Uh, hey, by the way, I, so I don't get yelled at by Jack Lee Matthews. We're both on fansplan.com. You yeah. guys can follow us. All right. We're doing our best to get up on there. Uh, it's a software thing that we're proud of. Sorry, right, there we go. Now I can't get yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thanks for all you're doing and continue to keep serving like you have. Thank you so hey, much. Thank you. I appreciate all the kind words, man. I, uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy.